You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's unending help right here on Ramat B'Shemesh Israel 5768-2008. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Naso. We have two important concepts that are taught in this week's Parsha that the Torah specifically placed one next to the other to teach us a very important lesson. The first of those two Parshios, the first of those two concepts begins in chapter 5, verse 11. There Hashem speaks to Moshe and says to teach the people of Israel that if a man has a wife who is wayward and she goes off and she's seen with another man talking to him, being alone with him, so the husband, so she, he has the right to accuse her and warn her that if, if, he, if she continues to hang out with that person, to be with that man, to be in the same room with him, to be alone with him, that she's going to be in trouble. And if she continues, despite his warnings, and she is miyached, she goes along with him to be in that room, and there's enough time for them. We don't know what they've done in there, but there's enough time. There's enough time for her to have had marital relations, or actually extramarital relations, with that man. So then she's brought to the base hamikdash. She's brought to the temple, and they make her drink a special concoction, in which they take Hashem's name. They write a, a whole megillah, a whole scroll, and they take that piece of paper or that scroll, and they place it inside of the water. The water melts off Hashem's name. Hashem's name is erased, which is against halacha. We're not allowed to do that except for this specific this specific case. We're not allowed to erase Hashem's name. And then she drinks the concoction. And if she's guilty, so then her stomach blows up and she dies a grotesque death, as the art scroll puts it. And um, if she is indeed innocent, so nothing happens to her. Rather, she has blessing upon her. If she was previously unable to conceive, so now she's able to conceive. If previously she conceived children that weren't beautiful, so she conceives children that are beautiful. If she previously was able to give birth with difficulty, now she'll give birth without difficulty. All kinds of different interesting things that happened to her because of the fact that she drank this water and she was found innocent. The next thing that the Torah discusses right after the Parsha of Sota, this is called the Sota, the wayward wife. So right after Sota, so the Torah discusses the concept of Nazir. A Nazir is somebody who dedicates himself to God and says that he's not going to drink any wine and he's not going to cut his hair. He's going to make himself more holy. So Rashi brings the famous question, it's actually a Gemara in Sota, at the beginning, Daf Bezman Aleph, and the question is, why is it that the Torah placed the Parsha of Nazir, this person who's stopping himself from drinking wine, why is it that the Torah placed that story right after the story of Sota, the wayward wife? What's the connection between these two stories, between these two concepts? So Rashi explains that whoever sees a Sota, if you're in the base Hamigdash, so it's a tremendous spectacle. Everyone's allowed to come there to see this woman being tra- tested by the Maimah Ma'ararim, by being tested by these special waters that she would drink. So whoever would see the fate that befalls someone who is not careful about being faithful to her husband. So how does that happen? How does one become unfaithful? So many times, drinking wine, the indiscriminate use of alcohol, so its results can be that a person, heaven forbid, is unfaithful to their spouse, and that's the result of drinking wine. So a person who sees the horrible results of someone who is not careful about alcohol, so Yazir Asmeim and Ayayin, he should become a Nazir, and thereby he protects himself from drinking any wine, he protects himself from becoming that person who's unfaithful to their spouse and someone who's licentious. So that's why these two concepts were placed next to each other in the Torah.
Now the question here is a very important question that we need to understand. And that is that if I see somebody, a woman, who has drunk wine and she became licentious and she cheated on her husband and the result was that she blew up, she literally in front of our eyes, her fate was that she died a gruesome and grotesque death. So I need to become a Nazir, I'm going to need to remind myself that I shouldn't do that thing. I mean, I saw it happen, I don't want that to happen to me. Isn't the sight of this woman, isn't that experience enough to create an indelible impression upon my mind that I would never do such a thing, I would never do what this woman has done? Why is it that we need, it once we see this woman who has done something wrong and this is what happens to her, why do we need to become a Nazir to stop ourselves from drinking wine? If anything, the sight itself alone is enough to prevent me from ever drinking wine again or ever doing something licentious. What's the understanding of it? So there's a few different levels, a few different concepts, a few different answers to this question that I'd like to share with you. The first most simple level is that when a person sees something that's inspiring and he sees something that shows him, teaches him a lesson, so at that moment there's a tremendous amount of inspiration and the impression is something that seems like it could last forever with us. But as we all know, you know, we get inspired on a Rosh Hashanah, on a Yom Kippur. We get inspired when we come to Eretz Yisrael, to the land of Israel. We see the Kotel. We get all kinds of different inspirations in our lives. And they feel very strong at the time, but they don't necessarily last. So it could be that that's the understanding of why the Torah placed these two parshios next to each other. Because it's teaching us, when we have an inspiration, we see this woman, and she did something wrong, and as a result of her drinking wine, so she went off and she was wayward, and she was unfaithful to her husband. When we see that, so at the moment it's a very powerful, strong message, and it should leave an indelible impression upon our mind, but that's not true. What happens is we're human beings, and we forget. Our mind is built that that impression doesn't last. So Hashem says, Yazer If you see such a thing, do something. Take on something concrete. Create some kind of commitment to yourself. That I'm not just going to see something and be inspired, but rather I'm going to take it and I'm going to change because of it. I'm going to commit myself not to drink wine for 30 days or whatever it is. I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm going to do something concrete to actualize this inspiration that I've had. That's one concept that I've heard. I read another very interesting answer to this question in the Sefer Mayan Beis HaShoeva by Shimon Schwab. And therein he explains, he gives us a little background and he says, that it's, it's brought down in the Zohar. It says that the original sin, the sin of Adam HaRishon, the first man, what did he eat? What was that Eitz Hadas? What was that fruit that he ate from? So there are many different explanations of what the fruit was, but according to the Zohar, the fruit that he ate was a grape. It was from a grapevine that he ate. And what was the result of him eating from this grapevine, eating those grapes? The result was he lost his Tzuras HaAdam. Originally, man was on an exalted, unbelievable spiritual level. And because he ate from those grapes, he fell from his exalted level, and he lost his tzuras ha'adam. He lost that look, that human look, before he was a spiritual being. He looked spiritual. You could barely see on him that there was any physicality after the sin. So all you could see on him was a physical body. You could barely see the spiritual the way we are now. You can barely see that there's an neshama. If you look carefully, if you delve into a person's nature, if you're around a person long enough, you can see, you can see beneath the surface there's a soul. But it's almost impossible to see it. Certainly on the surface, you can't see it at all. He lost that original look. He lost the tzuras ha'adam. He became someone who looked very physical. And it was all because he ate those grapes. So the Zohar says that what's the tikkun? How can we be mitakein? How can we fix that original sin of Adam HaRishon? That sin of Adam, the first man? 
The answer is that when we become a Nazir, when we are Mazir Atzmeim Hayayim, when somebody, he prevents himself from drinking wine, which is the result, which is the product of the grape, so he's, being a, he's doing a tikkun. He's, do, he's fixing that original sin of Adam HaRishon by becoming a Nazir, by preventing himself from drinking wine. So Rav Shuav explains that when a person sees a woman, a sota, in the Beis HaMikdash, it says, What would they do to her? They would pull down her hair, and they would pull down her clothes. They wouldn't pull them all the way off. Heaven forbid, you know, they were in the Holy Temple. But they would really embarrass her, and they would take away her tzuras ha'adam in a certain respect. They would take away the things, the clothes that a person wears, and the modesty that a woman has to have to cover her hair. They would take that off. They would take it off. They would show that this woman has made herself into a person, even if she's not guilty. Lamaisa, still, she was still being with someone. She was hanging out with someone who was inappropriate for her. Even if she hadn't actually had relations with him. Nevertheless, she's been doing something wrong. She lost her tzuras ha'adam. She's acted more like an animal than like a human being. When somebody sees that, he has to remember, he has to think in his mind, oh, this is a result of the original sin of Adam HaRishon, the first man. And therefore, he's reminded of that original sin and he says, I'm going to do something to be metakein, to fix that sin. So he says, I'm not going to drink any wine, I'm going to become a Nazir. And that's the understanding why. Whoever sees a woman like that, she lost her to her sudden, she lost that humanity. So that person has to go and right away say, I'm going to try to do some kind of ticket, I'm going to try to do something to fix that original sin of man that caused all of this to happen, that caused us to lose our soul in a certain sense, and caused us to lose that connection to the divine. That's the second understanding. And the third understanding that I heard, and I'd like to focus on this one the most, because there's a tremendous lesson here that we really need to take to heart. And that understanding is, why is it that when a person sees a woman who's done something wrong, she's blowing up, and she's dying this horrible death. Why is it that the person needs to, at that moment, take upon himself not to drink any wine? Eh, if anything, the sight of this woman alone is enough to prevent a person from doing anything wrong. The answer is, Adirabha, the exact opposite. Human nature is that as long as a person doesn't see anybody doing anything wrong, if you would never see, if your kids would grow up and never see anybody smoking a cigarette, they would never have a hava amina, they would never have a first thought to ever smoke a cigarette. But if you live in a place where smoking cigarettes is the norm, and everywhere you go, all you see is people smoking cigarettes, you can talk from today until tomorrow but to your kids about how horrible smoking cigarettes is, and your kids will still start smoking cigarettes because that's what they see. That's what's happening here. When you see a sota bikulkula, you see a woman, a wayward woman, and she's blowing up. You see the horrible effects of smoking. Nevertheless, you could still start smoking. If you see everyone around you smoking, it's the same thing here. When you see a woman who is wayward, she was unfaithful to her husband, and she's blowing up, but you see there is a woman, oh my gosh, there's somebody who was unfaithful to her husband, and you see it. The more you see it, the more you're affected by it. Whatever a person sees, naturally he wants to imitate. Even if he knows it's not so good, even if he knows that there are horrible effects of it, whatever he sees, that's what he wants to do. Before you see this woman, you're pure. You don't have a hava amina. You don't have a first thought to ever be unfaithful, heaven forbid, to your spouse. Then all of a sudden you see someone. This woman was unfaithful to her husband. Unfaithful to her husband. You mean there are people in the world who are unfaithful to their husbands, heaven forbid? All of a sudden, the walls break down. The guards are down. Instead of this becoming something that's the unknowable, the unthinkable. It's not so unknowable. It's not so unthinkable. Look, there's somebody who's, who's done it. 
at that moment that those types of thoughts start to cross your mind, even if they're subconscious, they're not even conscious. At that moment, you have to say, Yazir min hayayin. I have to do whatever I can to prevent myself from coming into such a situation. Because once I see that such a situation is possible, if it's possible for that person, it can become possible for me. Now the lesson of this pshat, the lesson of this understanding is, is very powerful. And, and I think that you'll see it in your life. You'll see it in your own experience. That whenever, whatever your surroundings are, whoever you surround yourself with, if you surround yourself with good people, you want to be like the good people. If you surround yourself with friends who are not so good, you want to be like those people. Even if you know that their behavior is incorrect, even if you know that the way that they speak is not so appropriate, even if you know that the results where these people are headed is not so good, and you don't really want to be like them. But whoever you associate with, that's who you become like. Wherever you place yourself, the surroundings that you place yourself in, that's what you become like. Don't think that you're going to be able to be different from those friends that are not so good. It's not true. Whoever you hang out with, whoever you associate with, wherever you go, your surroundings, they affect you to a tremendous degree. That's why television is so powerful. It's such an unbelievably powerful medium because whatever you see is what you want to be like. You see on television, you see people dressing in a certain way. You want to dress in that way. Even though it's inappropriate, it's not according to the Torah. You see people behaving in a way, men and women interacting in a way that's inappropriate on the television. Nevertheless, that's what you want to do even though you know it's incorrect. You know, this is not the way for a moral person to behave. Nevertheless, when you see it, and you see it over and over again, and you hear people speaking in a way, they're cursing, they're saying words that are inappropriate, you hear it over and over again, it becomes the norm, it becomes acceptable. And it could be that you won't talk that way, or you won't act that way, but in your heart, it's not the same. Your attitude toward it is totally different. We have to surround ourselves with Torah. We have to surround ourselves with people who are steeped in Torah. That's why it says, having Torah, a person should exile himself to a place of Torah. You go to a place of Torah, you go to a place where people surround you are moral, and they're involved in chesed and kindness to other people, and they're involved in purity, and they're involved in faithfulness to their spouses, and they're involved in Torah learning, and coming close to God and spirituality. That's what you're going to become. If a person surrounds himself with televisions and movies, and, and YouTubes and, and internet, and all these things that bring us down, they present us with an immoral and a decadent view of reality. We're going to be drawn after that. The Torah says, Don't follow after your eyes and after your hearts. That you are being immoral after them. You have to place your heart, you have to place your eyes upon good things. Because your eyes automatically, your heart automatically follows after those good things. The more you associate with the good, the more you see the good, the more you want to be like the good, the more you associate with good friends, the more you place yourself in places, in a synagogue, in a place of Torah, in a place of proper worship, in a place of spirituality, the more you're going to want to be like that. It's a person's choice. The choice, the main choice is not so much to do what everyone else is doing. That's automatic. The, pl the choice is, are you going to place yourself with people who are doing good so that you end up doing good? I wish you all, myself included, that we should always see good things. We should always see the positive, the spiritual, and we should be drawn after our eyes to the good things. To see people who are tzaddikim, righteous people, sitting and learning Torah, trying their best to come close to God. Thank you very much for listening and have a great Shabbos.